are listening to Keystone's Stock Talk Podcast, episode 101. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. We're going to get right into the show this week, but before I welcome my co-hosts, Aaron and Brennan, uh, I'm going to first off just say in this time of uncertainty, the health of you and your loved ones is paramount and Keystone and our staff hope you are all staying safe and wish you and your family good health. Uh, My heart and I believe my co-host's heart obviously goes out to anyone who has lost their job or has had their source of income reduced during the COVID-19 crisis. Now, I'm going to start with a brief intro, and then we're going to dovetail on some topics after that. Uh, We are currently in unprecedented economic scenario, and the full impact of the global shutdown is still unknown. In the near term, we believe that nearly every industry and company will feel the financial impact. Some of these companies will be very well positioned to weather the economic downturn, while others are at higher risk. We are continuing to monitor our current recommendations as well as research hundreds of other dividend and growth and value stocks throughout North American markets. Now, several elements about the market drop that we have seen have been surprising, including its sudden onset speed and magnitude, as well as the daily swings. For, for example, this past week uh, in a down market, the Dow produced its largest three-day rally uh, and extended to a fourth day in nearly 90 years. While markets typically bottom well ahead of positive underlying fundamentals, it does appear that the worst of the health crisis is likely ahead for the most of the globe, uh, particularly in parts of Europe and the U.S. Now, this past Tuesday... Keystone kicked off a three-week series of live streaming seminars entitled 2020 COVID-19 Crisis Portfolio Building, Strategies to Survive, Then Thrive. Myself and our senior VP, Aaron Dunn, co-hosted over 300 Canadians for a two-hour live presentation and then answered 65 individual questions in the hour following. It was a great audience with great questions And we truly wanted to provide a calm and rational look at the markets and present some individual long-term investment opportunities, and we believe we did so. We will be back at it this coming Tuesday, tomorrow night, in fact, uh, with another two-hour live stream. this, this, you know, in this segment, I've included a little bit of a content from the seminar. Uh, one of the things that we talked about was what we learned from past downturns. Now, as if worrying about the rapidly spreading coronavirus isn't taxing enough, we were also dealing with a full-on stock market crash. After hitting an all-time high of 3,386 on February 19th, the S&P 500 closed at just under 2,305 on March 20th. 
This close marked a decline of nearly 32% in a space of just 30 days. While the uncertainty surrounding COVID-19 is the primary catalyst for the collapse, other factors have been in play, particularly in Canada, where the TSX has fared even worse. Canadian energy, already facing dark days ahead of COVID-19, has collapsed near term, as the price of oil has fallen more than 50% since the beginning of the year. But that does not even tell the full story for Canadian producers who have been hit the hardest. A barrel of Western Canadian Select Crude has been trading at less than a pint of beer over this period. Meanwhile, projections that we could have already entered into a recession are widespread. Now, right now, as an investor, we'd say you have two choices. Number one is you ignore your portfolio and do nothing. Uh, We advise against rash decisions. Sticking your head in the ground, however, uh, is a terrible decision. So number two, you can take action. Now, fortunately, stock market crashes and economic downturns have happened before. That alone should give us a reassuring perspective on how this crash is likely to turn out. There's much we can learn from previous market crashes that help us better manage your portfolio going forward. While painful in the near term, an economic crisis should sharpen your resolve. I know it does mine. Now, one of the lessons that we talk about in our seminars is that cash is king. We advise our clients and investors generally in Canada to keep some cash on the sidelines ready for opportunities. There have already been some select opportunities, but we believe the markets may give us more attractive opportunities going forward. We recommend looking for cash-rich businesses as well with a history of profitability. These type of businesses can survive in a downturn. They have a cash buffer. Perhaps most importantly, with that cash, they can take advantage of opportune acquisition opportunities, allowing the business to thrive on the other side when the recovery begins, as it always does. And I can give you an example of a company that has done just that, but I'm going to let my co-hosts uh, speak a little here as I've gone through the introduction. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Ryan. How about yourself? Uh, very well. Adjusting to uh, our you know new scenario that we see in life here, but yeah, there's always opportunities. It's, uh, you it's know, funny because I see all these memes and all this content out about what people should do with their free time um, during the quarantine. And mm. obviously all of that is intended for, for people that don't have young kids because I have uh, a couple of young ones. And <laughs> I can tell you that there's uh, there's not a lot of free time when all the school and the outside classes get canceled. Yeah, and we have both sides. I do as well, have young kids and teenage kid and a young kid. And uh, we have both sides. I and mean, we have more work for us in front of us on the uh, on the work side in terms of uh, financially looking at companies because you start to see opportunities you want to cut some companies you want to you know raise some cash in your portfolio potentially for those opportunities so we have more work there our work certainly doesn't slow down it even increases and then you have uh, the kids on the other side so it's a uh, well and and it definitely increases because we may have, for example, any company that I screened a couple of months ago, you really have to rescreen in the context of the new environment. Yeah. Uh, a new share price, new valuation maybe, but also reassessing whether or not the financial performance can continue or is in some way going to change. So it's basically a situation like this is just constant research for us. Without a doubt. One of the things yeah. I'm doing in the U.S. side is we've always loved the technology sector. We see some great opportunities there, of course. 
So one of the things I'm doing is I pulled out the entire uh, U.S. technology sector, just under 700 companies, and I'm, I'm doing a screen. I'm going through every single one of them. And of course, I've done this before, but things change rapidly, particularly in this kind of an environment. Yeah, and there's some businesses in there that we'd like to have owned for a long term. There are a couple that we own now. Uh, some others that we'd like to own. We'd love those to become more on sale, to be honest, at, at this stage. Uh, you've seen pullbacks in certain names. Some companies have done better. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's those companies often that we'd like to see a, an increased uh, drop in share price. And uh, maybe we have a significant long-term opportunity. But uh, certainly, I'm I'm looking at a lot of companies right now that um, I've just I've I've always wanted to own, but yeah. they've just never been in the ballpark with respect to valuation. Always has been way too expensive compared to what I've been willing to pay or what I think is reasonable, and they still are um, at this point in time. But if in the event that things do get really cheap, um, we want to be there, yeah. ready to be able to pull the trigger, having all the research done, the lists of companies ready. Um, so that we can we can act. And I think patience is key. I, I, our clients, our U.S. research did tremendously well last year uh, to start, uh, up 67% on average. Clients were asking for more and more and more companies there. Um, the telling factor in terms of the valuations of the market was we could not come out with many recommendations over the past, say, 12 to 18 months. Uh, valuations. We loved some businesses. We just did not like the prices we were paying. There were some really select companies that we liked and were able to find some value and obviously produce some strong gains. But, uh, you know, there's some other businesses, again, like we want to be involved with. Hopefully those come into a range that we can buy in here because we're looking three to five years out. And, and, you know, when we talk about cash being king and cash being king for those companies that we're investing in, uh, sometimes you have to be very patient with that cash and it may take a few months, it may take a year for the companies that we have in our portfolio that are cash risk to uh, actually find the value. Like A company that has $100 million, say, in cash in the bank sitting there, uh, there's a crisis. Overnight, the prices of their assets they want to buy don't become on sale. It can take some time. I'll give you, like, I like to give real-world examples. I'll give you a real-world example of that. Back in 2006, 2007, Eng House Systems Limited, symbol N-E-N-G-H on the TSX, in the lead-up to the 2008-2009 financial crisis, analysts were screaming for that company to deploy its nearly $100 million in cash on hand with no debt to grow via acquisition. The issue then, prices were too high and management was disciplined, waiting for patients, or patiently waiting basically to pay better prices. Uh, the business was profitable, Enchouse, with decent growth and an excellent balance sheet. Soon after the financial crisis hit, Enchouse began to employ that cash in smart and now at more reasonable prices to make those acquisitions. Uh, from this cash flow, the company bought more businesses and the growth built on itself. Enchouse has gone on, on to buy 20 plus businesses from cash flow and continues to do so today over the past 10 to 12 years. Now, Enchouse turned out to be, in the last decade, one of the top four performing stocks on the entire Toronto Stock Exchange. So, you know, it took some patience. It took some management there to have some foresight to not pay 
the high prices that were in the market. And we did see some companies, we picked out in a, a recent update we did to our on our focus, focus buy portfolio, we did that in, uh, in our Canadian dividend or Canadian small cap, picked out four to five cash rich profitable companies that basically have limited debt. Those companies have been sitting on cash for several years now, not really deploying that. I mean, Enchouse would be one of those companies. They have deployed some, but you know, there's 100 million in cash in the bank and they could do 90 million in free cash flow this year. So they're gonna add to that, be able to grow. Um, they may be in that enviable position, some of those other companies now that Enchouse was in coming out of 2008, 2009, the financial crisis there. Now it may take, it took Enchouse's stock a year and a half to 18 months to start moving forward, but it was paying us a dividend, and the companies that we identified there, three out of the four are paying a dividend, so you can get paid a dividend, wait, and uh, you know, wait for these companies to start to pick off assets at a, at a value price, and that may take some time still. That's one thing that you guys have really, uh, you know, taught me. I guess I should say, among other things, um, but just that these cash-rich businesses can, you know, accelerate out of a downturn like this. And, um, you know, before I, I got to Keystone, I, you know, I didn't really know that. I didn't really understand that. But it, it makes complete sense. Just these companies that, you know, aren't extending their capital uh, at, you know, a peak of the market and waiting, you know, when there are some some businesses on sale. Um, to really accelerate their growth uh, out of a downturn, um, you know, just by deploying that capital at the right time. Yeah, and, it, and it's uh, on ma- management to steward that capital and, uh, you know, decide when the right time is uh, to employ it. And now that's what we look on those management teams of some of those businesses to uh, make the right decision. Some of them have in the past, so that's a good indication, but they have to continue to employ it uh, effectively going forward. And that's what we're monitoring and also trying to add to that list right now, add to that list of a uh, good solid cash position or companies that have very solid cash flow that is very protected going forward. And then they are in an enviable position as well. And, you know, they can maintain their dividends during a, a crisis time. So do you want to look at some hot talking points here to start um, near term? Uh, while there are a couple companies, we don't see many stocks in this environment that we'd be aggressively buying for near-term company-specific fundamental catalysts. There just is not going to be a lot of companies that are going to absolutely thrive out of this. Now, there are some clients who have posed questions on select businesses that are benefiting or have the potential to benefit from, say, social distancings or working at home because it's a necessity. Uh, we have been recently asked about two of those companies. One of them would be Zoom Video Communications, symbol ZM on the NASDAQ. DAC. It offers video conferencing and digital collaboration tools. Uh, no, sorry, video conferencing essentially. And we've been asked about digital collaboration tool provider Slack technology, symbol WORK, W-O-R-K on the NASDAQ. Um, now, we like the tech behind these businesses, have used and tried both of them. Both are showing excellent user growth and will grow smartly due to the adoption likely in the future. But in the near term, um, we have seen, and, and Zoom's uh, CEO came out and said, uh, much of the adoption is for free versions. So maybe that translates, and some of it will definitely translate into uh, paid users in the future. 
but the magnitude of, magnitude of that is unknown. Now, this past week, Zoom held a market cap of around $42 billion and had posted just $25 million in profits over that past year. Um, the price-to-earnings multiple based on this year's expected earnings is in the range of 275. That's a massive P.E., to the market and to rival tech companies. Now Slack for its part is not profitable. It lost over half a billion last year. And while the growth is strong, it holds a market cap of just under 16 billion. These businesses are interesting, but in the case of Zoom, it is very expensive and Slack is very difficult to value with negative current cash flow. So in our US research, we've held a more established position, a, pl- a position and a more established pay- player that has competing products to these two growth businesses. And uh, I think we'll stick with that business at this stage. Certainly, I think that there there are investors really have to differentiate between companies that are going to, to experience a short term uptick in demand um, during the situation and companies that are going to actually see an acceleration of the trends that were benefiting them. So uh, for example, if you're talking about a company that manufactures toilet paper, um, obviously, you know, they're doing great right now as people are building up inventories of, of toilet paper or were. Um, I believe they continue to do so. But that's not something where we're going to see or I would expect to see a, a, a significant change in the long term demand for toilet paper. So it's not like these companies are going to be expanding their capacity substantially so that they can um, produce uh, more in the longer term and see earnings growth out of that. But there are other areas like, for example, in the technology space where there were trends that we believe are going to accelerate. And Ryan, you talked about uh, digital workplaces and digital workflows. Um, All of that requires uh, technology like cloud computing, um, uh, Big data comes into play, their artificial intelligence. So these cybersecurity, so these were strong trends in the past. um, And I believe that this current situation is just going to accelerate those trends. So one company that we talked about a couple podcasts ago um, that is benefiting right now, both from uh, short-term increase in demand and I believe a long-term acceleration of, of, de- of demand in their business would be Amazon. And this is a company that's profitable uh, as well. So usually when people think Amazon, they're thinking about the, the online retail platform that Amazon became known for. And of course, that is, is absolutely exploding right now. Um, everybody's uh, ordering online because in a lot of cases, retail establishments are closed. Um, Online ordering, a lot of people are doing it, I believe, for the first time. So there's big acceleration there. But what a lot of people also don't know is that Amazon is the largest cloud computing company in the world as well through their AWS platform. So cloud computing, that's essentially um, large data centers that handle all of the data management and software programs for um, enterprises or any essentially anybody that wants to run software rather than running it in-house on your own devices, um, you essentially just outsource that out. And cloud computing has been for years a major theme in enterprise because it's helping businesses uh, become more efficient, more profitable, focus on doing what they do best and not so much on managing the IT um, data and computer software infrastructure of the business. So Amazon's a company that's really benefiting on both ends here. And I think that just even on the online retail end, obviously when things go back to a more normalized environment, I believe you're going to see a lot of people 
you know, trans that are that are using online shopping right now. They may, to an extent, go back to brick and mortar. Um, but I think that a lot of people are just going to see the value in being able to order something on the computer and have it delivered right to their front door. So you're going to see an acceleration there. And then all of this, the digitalization of workflows, um, you know, more people communicating over the internet, that requires um, a more data center capacity, more cloud computing, uh, and, and, and Amazon's benefiting there. So, of course, one of the issues that we've always had with Amazon is that it's, it's, it's been a great business, but it is, it's always been so highly valued on a price-to-earnings on a price to earnings ratio basis. So we've seen last time we talked about the company on the podcast, I believe it was upwards over about a hundred times earnings, which is quite high for Keystone, unless we have a very high, high level of confidence that, uh, that the earnings growth is going to um, stay strong or be maintained over the next several years. Now with a, a minor pullback in the share price, I believe it's trading around the 80 times range, which is st still quite high but it, it looks a little bit better. Analysts are forecasting for about 40% growth going into next year. So certainly if the company can maintain a growth rate like that, you could really start to see it grow into that valuation, even from Keystone's perspective over the next, over the next three to five years. And you know, at, there's, other, there's other companies, there is another company in the cloud computing space that we actually like because it's acquiring market share there faster. Um, and it's also a very strong, diversified business. But Amazon is certainly one that you want to keep an eye on. And if you had the opportunity to buy it at, a, at an attractive valuation, I don't know if you will be able to buy it at what I would consider a cheap valuation. But if that opportunity presented itself, then that would certainly be something to, to consider. Yeah, and when, when people talk about, you know, we talked about trends that can be sustainable and benefit from, uh, you know, the, the crisis that we're seeing right now. Certainly Zoom and Slack fit into that. Video conferencing and digital collaboration tools uh, certainly fit into that theme that could be sustainable over the long term, that people could change their habits. So that is the case for looking at those businesses, buying those businesses. But you know, when price is what you pay for it, value is what you get. Uh, we like the businesses, but do we like the price we're paying? Do we want to pay 250, 275 times earnings or buy a company with negative cash flow uh, when we can buy a competing business to those that is trading at 20 times cash flow, for example, or 25 times in that range and uh, has other businesses and other growth areas that we like? Uh, is more secure in terms of its video conferencing service. So, you know, there's these are the things you weigh when you look at businesses. Can you say, hey, well, these are trends that can definitely benefit from, uh, you know, people needing to collaborate digitally and people needing to use video conferencing. So those two businesses definitely benefit from that. But are you paying a decent price for them? Um, there's many... You know, we again, we saw tons of growth in the cannabis sector, but were we paying good value in that sector? No. And it was, you know, over the past two years or year and a half now, a great sector to avoid. So you, you need to you can see growth in a business, but you can't buy it at any price. You have to buy it with some level of value to be a successful investor over the long term. You got to marry those two things. Brennan, you were saying you were you were looking at the cruise line stocks, or a friend of yours was. 
Yeah, well, I actually had uh, one of my friends reach out. Hadn't talked to him in a long time. He knew that uh, I was working with you guys, and I'm an analyst. Um, so he was asking me about the cruise lines. And, you know, just because, of course, we all know, uh, you know, their prices have fell drastically. No one's taking cruises right now. Uh, we, we heard of those horror stories where um, I, I think it was like the Princess Cruise Line where they were stuck, um, you know, in international waters for, for days or weeks. Um, and yeah, he was just wondering if there was possibly an opportunity. And, you know, I do see, you know, of course, again, the stock prices have slid so far. But when you're looking at the cruise lines, are people going to be hesitant to possibly, you know, jump on a cruise uh, in, in the future, even after COVID subsides? Um, you know, so I guess, what do you guys think? Uh would you guys be hesitant to uh, to jump on a cruise line after COVID kind of? Can I out? just tell you that I, in that vein, I got an email today from, because we've been on a cruise over the past year from Holland America. And they said here, um, we look forward to welcome you on board. Book now and receive up to $2,300 in extras U.S. So free drinks, free gratuities, free signature dining package, free Wi-Fi for suites, 50% off reduced deposits. Uh, they are going to be d throwing everything in the kitchen sink at you in terms of offers going forward because, you know, the Royal Caribbeans, the Carnivals, the Norwegians, those are the three larger um, cruise ship lines uh, that are publicly traded. Um, you know, they are in for a tough go over the near term because there were some people that will alter their behavior and just not want to be locked into a boat. Uh, for an extended period. I know I have a cruise. Well, we had a cruise coming up this summer and, you know, we just, we likely won't be going on that cruise. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any way. I mean, my, my parents were coming with us and, you know, it, they're in their seventies. It's just not going to happen. So does the industry completely die? I'm sure, you know, they've been through thing issues in the past, not this great. Uh, they, there's probably some consolidation that occurs when you see um, some of the changed behaviors there. Uh, you know, in terms of trailing numbers, the companies look like they're absolutely on sale. But when the business is going to dry up for, you know, six months to two years potentially um, or more, uh, if if uh, people, uh, you know, if people change their behaviors, uh, it's a very difficult sector to be in because there is, it is capital intensive. So there's a lot of debt here as well. And I think that, so there's two things. First of all, to answer your question, Brendan, yes, I, I, I would actually think twice about it. And it's not that I would, I would avoid, I mean, I'm a traveler. I love to travel with my family. Um, I've taken river cruises, not, not ocean cruises, but I've always thought that that would be um, something that would be about the lowest risk vacation that you could take is to be on a, a, a big cruise ship um, from a recognized company. Um, now I think a little bit differently about that when you hear about stories of people being, thousands of people being stuck on these ships out in the ocean, um, not being allowed to port and being stuck with, with other people who are sick. I, I was listening to a, a, an interview from an infectious disease expert and he was saying one of the big problems with these cruise ships, these large cruise ships, is that they recycle all their air, right? Yeah. So you're you're on you're on there with a few sick people and they're recycling air and they're blowing it back out. Other people are breathing that in. Um, so that that's a concern. So I think that there's two things that are gonna have to happen. One, you're gonna have to entice people to go back onto these ships. 
um, with low prices, but you're also going to have to make sure that they, they believe that they're safe. So that might mean instead of just using a regular air filter, using something like that would be on a plane that would be a medical grade air filter to, to, to filter any types of, um, viruses out, um, you know, I don't know. I'm not an expert on this area, but you need to. You, you're gonna have to build up the confidence, and people are gonna people are gonna take the deals. People are gonna start going on the cruise lines again. But the question is, how long is it gonna take before global tourism reaches the level um, that it was at before this crisis? Because it's it's exploded over the last ten years, uh, and it employs a lot of people, and there are a lot of other industries that uh, are directly impacted by by global tourism. And um, I think personally, it's going to take a while for the industry to recover. Um, many years, even though people will start traveling again right when the right when the crisis is over, um, it's going to take a while before it gets as mainstream. Would would be my would be my opinion. So looking at the cruise lines, I would just say 2020 is a complete write off. I'm looking at Carnival right now. I, the the Current analyst estimate, I believe, is $2.14. I don't believe that, I don't understand how any of these companies can make any money in 2020. Um, and probably not in 2021. They're probably going to have to do a lot of capital upgrades, um, spend more money on the ships just to make sure that they are, they can give people the confidence that they're safe, that they have all the equipment, all the staff to deal with the crisis in the future. So for me, it's years out for a recovery in the, in the cruise lines. Yeah, you look at Royal Caribbean was a 52 week high this, you know, over the past year, $135.32. It's in the $24 range now. Carnival, $56 in the $8.50 range. Norwegian, $59.60 now down to $8.50 as well. Um, it is just absolute destruction of capital in that industry. Um, thought of as, you know, decent dividend paying stocks. I mean, they have some cyclicality due to you know they're they're going to do better uh in boom times and they're not going to do as well in a recession but um you know nobody would have contemplated the world you know shutting down and uh those boats being somewhere that most travelers don't want to be at this point i mean i loved our cruise experience in the mediterranean and in alaska but uh you know i would be thinking twice about booking a cruise near term you know i think Human beings, uh, business people are completely uh, industrious and will change and will modify the ships and they probably will have uh, far more stringent health related uh, contingencies on these boats. But, uh, you know, in the near term, it'll be about survival for this industry. And with some of them, you know, some of them have taken on additional debt. I understand that. Royal has just tapped its credit line. Carnival raised about $6 billion, which they'll need, but it was on very unfavorable terms. And Norwegian, which is smaller, uh, has not made any moves so far. Uh, but, you know, they'll likely all need some capital. And, um, you know, that, that'll be done in diluting shareholders. So, uh, you know, I would just, we can monitor the segment, but with the amount of debt levels that we see in the businesses uh, and the lack of demand for six months to two years, I think there will be, if you really want, if there's some consolidation, perhaps at that time, maybe there might be some opportunities here, but uh, it's not something we like right now, obviously. And I think a, a similar thing, but maybe a little watered down could be said about the airlines as well. Yeah. 
It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for recovery. Once the crisis is over, certainly there are going to be a lot of people that start taking planes again, start traveling again. But um, I think that one of the things just also from a business perspective, people are going to realize is that there are certain things you might not need to do a physical meeting for. You might not need to take a physical trip for um, that. They can just be done remotely. And uh, so I, I, you know, even though we're going to see a big uptick once they start running again, you know, it'll take a while, in my opinion, for it to get back up to the to the peak that we the levels that we saw before the crisis. Yeah. And and there might there might be other ways to I mean, there's companies that have like Disney has uh, cruise lines and there's theme parks and their cruise lines will be hugely impacted. But at least part of their business, like their new streaming service should be significantly positively impacted. So you know, all the content that they've put in there is positively impacted. So, you know, if you wanted to have a company that has some positives in it at present and, you know, will when the cruise ship industry starts to, um, you know, rebound again, they can benefit from that. You know, there's a business to look at. Now, that's not a recommendation, but, you know, it's a way that you can look at these uh, downturns and potentially play it um, with a less obvious route than just buying a cruise line directly. So I believe that should, that's about all we have for this week, isn't it, guys? Do you, anybody want to talk about anything else? Yeah, I think that Brandon, anything on your mind? Maybe, maybe Costco. What do you guys think about Costco stock right now? Any thoughts on that? So Costco, Scott, Costco has always been a staple stock. Um, it's something that we've looked at uh, before. I'm just going to pull up some some data on it as well. I feel like they've always kind of traded at a higher valuation. I, I mean, I don't know that, like, I don't know. I think you're fact, definitely you're, you're paying but, for quality. You're paying yeah. for brands. So it's it's not what I would consider a, a major growth stock. So revenue um, in the most recent quarter up about five percent. Revenue over the past twelve months up about seven and a half percent. Earnings growth seems to tend to be in the high single to low low double digits. Now we're definitely going to see an acceleration um, over the next couple of quarters. Near term, as right? yeah, near term. But I don't think that that's that's not going to mark. Uh, it's not that there's not going to be any secular increase in the trend there. It's just going to be a, a short term inventory build from people. Um, some people may go to Costco and decide that they like it more. But, you know, it's good, solid company. Hasn't really pulled back that much, of course, um, in, in with the rest of the market due to the crisis, because people know that that they're continuing to do a lot of business trading right now at about 30, 32 times earnings. So. Not cheap, certainly not cheap, a premium to the market, but I mean, not outrageously expensive either. You know who really yeah, loves no. Costco is, is uh, um, Warren Buffett's partner, Charlie Munger. Yeah, I mean, it's a great business. I love shopping at Costco. Um, I think their model is excellent. Uh, their balance sheet is, you know, about eight and a half million in debt, eight and a half million in cash, or billion, sorry, billions on both of those in the bank. So, you know, good balance sheet, relatively cash. speaking. Yeah. Sorry? About a dollar fifty-two in net cash. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a it's a good business. And, you know, EV to EBITDA is probably in the range of like 18, 19. So that's not crazy given the market, but um, it's certainly not cheap relative to its growth. You're paying for a premium multiple uh, right now, but it's you know. a modest premium. Yeah, I would yeah. argue it's not something that I think that we're 
gonna recommend tomorrow necessarily, but I also wouldn't argue with somebody who wanted to buy it. I wouldn't try and talk them out of it and say that it's a bad idea. Um, yeah, the business isn't going anywhere soon. You know, I, I think I'd love to see them, you know, beef up their online offering, but you know, that'd be a people good idea. love going to Costco's, and I think at some point we will be going even more. Um, we're going back to Costco's. You know, now people are lined up for the social distancing and all that, but. Um, you know, it's one of those businesses that isn't going away and, uh, those are great to hold on to, sure. uh, like even a, in a, crisis a, a fun fact of Costco that I learned, uh, in one of my fin- finance classes at school was actually that Costco sells more hot dogs, uh, at their, uh, their stand there or whatever it is, um, more, more hot dogs than all of the MLB stadiums combined. Um, so, I mean, I don't have, I can't fact check that, but I just thought that that was an interesting side. Well, they've sold quite a few to me and my family, <laughs> yeah. so nice. I, uh, I wouldn't doubt that. <laughs> I have a four-year-old niece that can devour one somehow. I mean, she just loves wow. the, wow. <laughs> it's crazy, but yeah, they're, uh, they're good all meat dogs, right? Yeah. Brennan, you love them, don't you? <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. Got a couple of Costco's yeah. in, Sa- in Saskatchewan. So, yeah. I know what Costco's all about. Well, I think I think back in the day, way back, Aaron, we used to go there on lunch hour, but you know, fifteen years ago, once in a while, and grab a grab yeah. a hot dog. Did there we were not? good times. There were good times. <laughs> I mean, yes, so you know, staple company, great business, but you know, don't expect fifteen to twenty percent revenue growth on a consistent basis mm-hmm. no. going out. It's uh, you know, you're going to get single digits, but probably fairly consistently. Good. Okay. Well, I think that does it for us uh we encourage you to keep your questions in to our your stock our take segment we'll start taking uh, individual stocks again in the coming weeks uh we also you know on our ask us anything segments ask us anything you want about the markets now keep those questions coming in hit us up on the usual social media channels uh also we remind you that uh tomorrow evening uh, we have our uh, diy live stream seminar so attend that if you can it's a great event. We had, like I said, we had uh, hundreds of Canadian investors investors in that uh, in that uh, stream last last week, and we expect to have a good crowd again tomorrow night. Love to see you there. Uh, you can log on to our website at www.keystocks.com. Click on the picture of myself and Aaron there uh, for the crisis investing seminar, the live stream, and we will answer any and all questions following that two-hour uh, stream tomorrow night. I'd like to wish everybody, uh, um, you know, stay safe out there and uh, profitable investing. Profitable investing. Thanks, everybody.